It's 2021 and everyone's talking about stagflation and Omicron. William Devane's telling you to buy gold. Tom Selleck wants you to get a reverse mortgage. But what are you going to do with a dollar of gold? You can't pre-sell your house out from under your kids if you don't own one. But I tell you what you can do for a dollar. You can support Thieves, Rogues, and Renegades. For a dollar a month, you can get exclusive content and early episode access. And you can help pay for our beers. Go to patreon.com slash trrpod for all this and more. everybody look at me you, you yeah. usually sing for this am, am i supposed to sing you sang for the last one well yeah. i sang for the last one but that, that was the last one i can't do it twice in a row that's a hack bit jingle bells batman smells uh, robin lee hey, hey. uh, batmobile lost a wheel joker got, got away hey there we go oh boy just, that was just watching, imagine that they were pirates and it's more i was watching four game. middle-aged men struggle to remember anything <laughs> that was an uphill battle that was an uphill climb i'm taking a lot of there. shots to the head <laughs> <laughs> yes indeed and and yes uh, there is singing there is festivity because it is the 2021 thieves rogues and renegades non-denominational winter holiday special welcome everybody uh, of course, you know, bringing you the special this year, it's the hap, hap, happiest bunch of assholes this side of the Nuts house, a bunch of right jolly old elves. I'm Rob North. I am your jolly co-host, Chris Miller. I am the Padre, and holy shit, where's the Tylenol? <laughs> and I'm Kyle Graber. The, 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 the puppy under oh, the tree. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh shit, we should have put air holes in the box. <laughs> Damn it. So, yes. Uh, now We're Chris, on our third Kyle. We, <laughs> how fortunate that we keep getting ones that all sound the same. Right. That it's is just, true. It's like We're the prestige downstairs. That's why yeah. we don't record in the, in the basement. We have to record up here. Yeah, the cloning vat makes too much noise. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Now, Chris and I did our first holiday special three years ago, and we're finally able to get together around, again around the table, uh, which means that it's time again to explore the weirder and darker side of the holidays. But this time we've got all four of us, so we thought it fit to... Have a cup of cheer, carve the roast beast, and delve once again into some stories of some bad Santas and their worst little helpers from various parts of the world, and some of the more interesting holiday traditions that pop up this time of year. So before we go in, one big question. You guys fans of the holidays? No. I am. It's getting better now that I haven't worked retail in a while. Mm. I am. I've always been a fan of the holidays. I'm a big fan of Christmas. Yeah. And it's weird because I'm I probably am like the least likely for any of us to have said that. Mm. Just based on like my my past uh <laughs> wild opinions of things. Yeah. I yeah, I, I mean we've been over this before. I I become a real grump around the holidays, but I'm a I'm kind of a happy generous grump. Like I'm nice to people around the holidays and I like to you know, I like to give and and being around family and everything's great, but everything just pisses me off 10 times more between the end of between the end of November and the middle of January. Oh, you mean the uh, post-Halloween brief interlude? The, yes. The two days where it's not Christmas? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's before, you know, it's when the, Halloween was Halloween, before I mean, Santa was poking his fat ass into it. Shit, I tried to buy Halloween candy on the 29th one year, and it was just gone. Yeah. But it, was, it, was, it was already replaced with, like, little snowmen, like, all the weird, like, pre-made gift bags that nobody really wants. It's like, oh, here's a hot cocoa set. Like, oh, great. Oh, great. Yeah, the, cool. the, yeah, the thing you, you, you buy last second for the <laughs> company mm-hmm. Secret Santa. Bingo. 
Little known fact that there have only been 19 fruitcakes made since the birth of Christ. Yeah, it's like we can- just keep passing them around. It's like candy corn. Yeah, yeah. Um, they grow and you trim them back. Right. <laughs> um, no, for me, it's family and it's ham. Oh, In a word, ham. Whoa, whoa, Kyle hates ham. I don't like ham. Wait, wow. I didn't, I didn't know this. You don't like wow. ham. I don't like ham, and I, I'll eat pork. I just we need don't, an- I don't like salty, gross, slimy ass spiral oh, ham. Never been a fan wow. of it. I've tried better, so many then, times. Then get better ham. I've had, yeah, I've well, had good ham. I've well, had. Guys. I just don't don't like it. Get, get the stuff that's been like honey roasted and has cloves in it. Not the just not the stuff me, that's. Give me a fucking bird. Give me a goddamn bird. This just took me out. You know what? I'm no, taking no, my Christmas no, tree down no, right now. No, no, no. This, this year, apparently, we're doing. We are doing an Italian like tomato soup base with seafood in it. Cipino. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. so excited because I'm so. Mamma mia! <laughs> I, I used to work in in finance, so like the week between Christmas and New Year's for me always used to be like a super heavy work week. So this right. is the first time. In my, like post college, I can actually take a little bit this of time good. I'm, off. I'm between. a fucking bartender. I get it. So I'm getting the <laughs> fuck out of here, and uh, me, I'm super stoked. I'm it. actually excited for the first time in a long time about the holiday. I like the tacky American Christmas mm. with eight tiny reindeer, 1930s fat Coca-Cola Santa Claus, fucking Frosty the Snowman. I love watching Frosty the Snowman, especially whenever he comes back to exact sweet revenge on that real, uh, that real jerk of a magician. Frosty too. This time it's personal. That guy, magician's a real dick. You know that? Like, fuck that guy. He was even mean to that rabbit. That rabbit didn't do shit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the Christmas specials. I, I, yeah, I, I I I just can't get that that into it i there are some traditions around the holidays that i have grown to love some of which we have recently attended and paid the price for the next day i mean i was <laughs> headbanging to christmas carols at krampus knocked oh god i felt like i, I felt like fuck pie <laughs> 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 and i think it was because it was the most movement i've done in weeks <laughs> so uh, yeah so there's a lot of debate over is christmas too commercialized do people invest too much time and money in it blah 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 and so on but yeah but when you sure, well, but like yeah. nobody gives a fuck. It's well, a half the people don't give a fuck. I, I think that's maybe a reason why I don't get too into it because mm-hmm. it, around my parents' house, Christmas is a part time job. I mean, you, you've been to my. I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen. It. There is an actual army of nutcrackers. It's one of the most impressive things I've ever seen yeah. in my entire life. I De- couldn't count them. Deb, Deb, and the burn go out. Oh yeah, but uh, see, that's super fucking yeah. charming. That's why I love Christmas it so is. much. It is, but my, you know, my my. I think that's because it's my parents doing it, and they're also fabulously nice, generous people. That's true. And and they invited like, me for Christmas Day. Yeah, <laughs> it's a stand. It's a standing invite for all right. of you, all of you waifs and wastrels, myself yeah, included. They take mm-hmm. in strays. I'm surprised they let me come by every year. <laughs> Plus, degenerate Christmas is usually a yeah. thing. But so when, yes, but when you examine some Christmas time traditions from around the world, the way we celebrate here doesn't seem quite so weird. Uh, so in Japan, where Christmas isn't celebrated as much as it is here, but you do see quite a lot of decorating in the more commercial aspects of the holiday. Their most popular place to eat on the night of December 24th is Kentucky Fried Chicken. KFC. <laughs> if you don't have your reservations in like yeah. two months in advance, you don't get KFC. Yeah, and while the, well, I mean, while the COVID lockdowns of the past couple of years have put something of a damper on this tradition, under normal circumstances, orders for the 24th are placed weeks, sometimes months in advance. And as you mentioned, a lot of locations do require reservation for seating, which is in such high demand that deposits equivalent to hundreds of dollars are often placed to secure seating. Is it better there? Because it's gone really downhill here. Oh, I just I, had it the other day. It was fucking delicious. Man. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah Except the potato wedges are gone. They've been replaced with just That was the fries. best thing on their yeah. menu. They were so good. I mean, I but the biscuits, though. I will say this. If the I'm going to Japan, it's, I'm not going to eat KFC no. on there. 
I mean, you got to have a go. Well, Maybe it is different. Well, we if, I, if I'm there for an extended period of time, sure. If I'm there for 10 days, no. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll eat the local fare before I, I do KFC. You're but, not a sushi guy, though. Hmm? You're not a sushi guy. I am though. not a sushi guy. I like fish when it's cooked. But uh, Give me it raw. But it's uh, wriggling. Oh, baby, I like it raw. <laughs> but yeah, but it's actually not unusual for police to be dispatched to various KFC locations in Japan to assist with crowd control. Where they're under katanas, right? That's that's how, in my head, that's how their police are. Lacquered armor? Yes. You you do realize that Japan opened up to the West in 1853, right? Not Kyoto. <laughs> <laughs> they all wear black pajamas. <laughs> Okay. I'm sorry. I watched. You're off by a factor of a few thousand miles there, and <laughs> a century. So we just did. Uh, we just did. We just did a, a pre-Christmas back-to-back of Yojimbo and a fistful of dollars. So okay, my head's cool. a little, a, a little in the world of course. That's, that's a good. Right that's now. a good deviation from the cultural minefield Padre just walked us into. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. That's why we're just gonna storm past it. Gloss yep. right over that. I did watch Jingle all the way for the third time today. Since uh, oh man, Wait maybe the, a week. Is and a Jake half. Lloyd still in jail? I think so. Yeah. And the whole time I'm watching it, every time I see Jake Lloyd, I just feel bad. Yeah, he had Star Wars ruined his life. <laughs> or Sinbad did. We don't know. That's true. I've, I've, I've seen Star Wars ruin a lot of the lives, though. Mine, but that's, yeah. that's fine. God. Hey, I got to meet Kathleen da- Kennedy. I got to meet Dan Potash with uh, when I was wearing a Stormtrooper helmet last week. I called Dan Potash a cocksucker to Buffalo Wild Wings once. I didn't know who it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was wearing all of his San Diego charters, like powder blue Ladanian Tomlinson shit. And he asked if the bartender would change the TV in the middle over. And then at the end, the Steelers were down by 10. And there were like 90 seconds left. Whenever they got the ball, he goes, oh, that's tons of time. They got plenty of time. I was like, you, you cocksucker, what are you watching? And they like looked over and it was Potash. And it was, I just stayed there. I was like, I don't like, what a stupid thing to say. So yeah, I called him a cocksucker to Buffalo Wild Wings. He was dressed like Mando. Yeah, but he's a cocksucker. Mm. This is the most Pittsburgh story I've heard in yeah. a long time. I hate and Dan we all Potash have so much. Stories. I hate Dan I hate his stupid fucking shtick. He's like the Fedco zone. If it wasn't clearly something wrong with John Fedco, he's just an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Okay, so no, look, before, <laughs> before we digress, before we digress too much, and we've already made enough enemies in the Pittsburgh abominable Christmas area, abominable yeah, Chris's uh, rage hour. So we're getting real close I, to Dawn Cherry. I can't, <laughs> I can't wait to do my Dan Potash episode. So in okay, so in Oaxaca, Mexico, on December the twenty third of every year, there is the Noche de Rabanos, or the Night of the Radishes. Now, while this isn't necessarily a Christmas thing, it's so close in time that it all gets folded in together. And the festival uh, features revelry, music, dancing, and a contest where festive sculptures and scenes are carved out of the radishes that grow in the region. Tens of thousands of people attend, and hundreds of contestants submit carvings that are shockingly detailed and skillful. And some of them are huge. Some of them cover an entire tabletop. And it's just cityscapes and all kinds of things made out of carved radishes. Somebody... I saw a photo. Somebody redid a Hieronymus Bosch painting oh my God. In, ra- in the medium of radish. I've never <laughs> seen anything like it. So in Gavla, in Sweden, 100 miles north of Stockholm, a 13-meter or 55-foot-tall goat made of straw has been erected at the beginning of Advent in the square of the town of 75,000 every year since 1966. Does which, Christopher Lee burn someone alive inside of it? Which, which then has a... Chris- oh, the bees! <laughs> Oh, not, not the shitty seeds. one. <laughs> but it then has a Christmas market built up around it and draws in tourists and revelers every year. There's just one problem. Practically every year since 1966, someone has set the goat alight and burnt it to the ground, which has become its own form of Christmas tradition. 
A sort of arms race began to develop between the people trying to protect the goat, who kept using progressively higher fencing, police protection, fire extinguisher patrols, and for a time the presence of the Swedish army to defend against ever more inventive arsonists who began using Molotov cocktails, slingshots with incendiary payloads, and bows with fire arrows. I was going to say, I did see the one whenever the dude, the dude from like across the market shot it with a fire arrow. Yes. <laughs> How hard would it be for us to get a hold of a flamethrower? I have one in my garage. Yeah. Perfect. You can make one. Yeah, I mean, it's not gel gasoline. It's a propane torch, but it's, yeah. it's a flamethrower. Now, in the early 90s, a man was... Actually, in the early 90s, a man was even arrested after attempting to paraglide over the goat and drop an incendiary bundle onto it. All right, that's amazing. But he collided with the steeple of one of the local churches and had to be rescued by the fire department. Now, how ironic is that? Yeah. That's... <laughs> Here's the thing is he apparently collided after he got over the goat. He, like he dropped his little firebomb, but it missed. <laughs> and it ended, up, it ended up like burning a trash can and that was it. But since 1986, a second goat has been constructed by the science club of the local secondary school, which has been left alone every year out of respect for the students' hard work. Now, only one arrest has ever been made where the charges have stuck. And this was in 2001, where a 51-year-old tourist from Cleveland, Ohio... Oh, there it is. ...was arrested for setting the goat alight, and he served 18 days in jail and paid $20,000 worth of damages. Oh, which you mentioned in the last episode. I have a question. Yes. Do you have the details on exactly how and what he did? I could not find them. Okay. I And I looked, because I wanted to know. Now, the attempts to... Um, the attempts to set the goat alight don't always result in the goat burning down completely, and every year since 2016, the goat has managed to survive, but not without a few singe marks. However, two days ago, in the early hours of the 17th of December, the Gavala goat was once again completely destroyed by fire, leaving only a scorched and blackened frame. A suspect in his 40s was arrested on suspicion of arson, but as of the time of recording, he was released without charge and no other arrests have been made. And he wasn't from Cleveland. This, not as far as I know. Couldn't find anything. Sounds like a Dayton man. Sounds like a Dayton man. And finally, we go to Catalonia, that independent little corner of Spain, where two specific traditions really show some, uh, let's say, substance. Oh. The first is a little figure who makes an appearance in the creches and nativity scenes. You'll see the usual things, the three wise men bearing gifts, the animals, the angels, and the Christ child, all in sometimes gorgeous scenes with figurines that are hundreds of years old. However, if you look in the back, in amongst the straw you'll see a figure known as the Haganer, who is wearing peasant clothing, including the traditional Catalan red cap, except this little fella is bent over, with his pants down, taking a dump right in the manger. This strange scatological tradition has existed for at least two and a half centuries, and there are ongoing arguments as to what exactly the Caganera represents, from a personalization of the Catalonian independence movement, quite literally showing your ass and shitting on power, to, uh, to a symbol of good harvest in the coming year by literally fertilizing the ground. Dude, I want to do that at, at least one live nativity this year. You do the big <laughs> one on Grant Street. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, guys, that's one hell of a crush. Guys, I need bail. Yeah, it is. Oh, I've, Michael. I've actually helped build it. It's awesome. So, And of course, there's the second weird tradition in this part of the world, and I included it because I know how much Chris hates it. I fucking hate it, man. <laughs> And so a primary decoration in each, in each household in Catalonia is the cagatillo, or the pooping log. It starts with... A- I, I, you could stop. You could stop right now. You had me at pooping log. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it starts... Hanky Christmas pooping. It does. <laughs> it does. So it starts with a hollowed out log, which is propped up on four little legs and then painted to have a face on the 
and without the opening in it. And every night, beginning on December 8th, Cagadillo is fed and covered with a blanket so that he doesn't catch a cold, which is kind of cute. Next part is less cute. On Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, Cagatillo is put in the fireplace, beaten with a stick, and ordered to shit. He is encouraged along with the beating by a song sung with catchy lyrics such as Cagatillo, Cagatorro, Avayana y Mato, Sino Cagues Bay, Edare, Un Cop de Basto, Cagatillo, which means Poop Log, Poop Nougat, Hazelnuts, and Cottage Cheese. If you don't poop well, I'll hit you with a stick, you poop log. As someone with Crohn's disease, this is deeply offensive to me. Yeah. Actually, did. It okay, was, we'll we'll stop beating you with sticks to get you to poop. That that was that was half of my sex cheap. life in the navy. <laughs> 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 I was going to ask. I, okay, so I was going to get into what kind of Christmas celebrations do you get on a on a ship? Apparently on apparently he gets beaten until he shits himself. <laughs> yeah, they say he shits cottage cheese. And, <laughs> and I was, I, it was going to be an honest question, but I guess this is the way we're going into it. They don't call it the poop deck for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Oh, I'm oh, upset. So oh, ho ho. But actually, good honestly, good. yeah. Honestly, um, usually they're prepared for that. If we're going to be on some type of deployment or some type of exercise over the Christmas holiday, they'll have food. You know, the, the basic foods. They they have a thing called holiday routine on on board ship, which mm-hmm. means minimal duty, minimal standing watches, just enough to keep us punching holes in the water. Cool. Um, Simple enough. We watch you know specialty meals out of the mess, everything like that. Yeah, die hard. You have to yeah. watch Die Hard. Nice. Uh, okay. Nice. Because it is a fucking Christmas movie. I mean, it beats the usual training films you'd be seeing. Mm. Exactly. Which, if, if you guys aren't familiar with naval parlance, that is code for porn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Documentaries. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when he's done crapping out candies, nuts, and dried food, Cagatillo is then given one last push to reveal either an onion, a head of garlic, or a salted herring as a way of using a harsh, savory element to sort of recharge Cagatillo for the coming year. Someone with IBS who uh, likes sushi. I'm pretty sure I've passed an entire fish too. Yeah, I was just say you were talking about like passing onions and garlic, and Kyle just like got that thousand yard stare. He was hearing helicopters in the background. It changes a man. My only friend. (laughs) So, so now, despite all those billboards that pop up around this time of year that say Jesus is the only reason for the season which is clearly put up by people who are disliked by their entire families and are looking for an excuse not to get them presents. The root of the winter holiday goes back centuries, if not millennia, before the New Testament. And there have been rebirth festivals celebrated around the winter solstice since, or probably before humans settled down and started paying close attention to the passing of the seasons. Now, the basis for a lot of our winter holiday traditions can be traced back to the Roman festival of Saturnalia and the Germano-Norse festival of Yule, but Chris and I already talked about these at length in our first holiday special. I just think it's super offensive that people are taking Saturn out of Saturnalia. I'm just... Like what? Keep Thor in Thursday. Mm-hmm. Orgy in ho- holiday. Orgy. Orgy. <laughs> What's the password? Orgy. But yeah, but there is another root figure of the holiday that we'd be remiss not to talk about since we have our very own beloved churchman here, the Padre himself, both our man of the cloth and the best sinner among us, Michael Arnett. Well, and that figure, of course, is Saint Nicholas. Saint Nicholas. He's the saint. He's the patron saint of pirates. Sailors and thieves. Yep. So long before the fat, jolly, chimney-diving pervert we all know and love today, long before Coca-Cola gave him his uh, famous commercial back in 1931, which is uh, from his famous commercial look in 1931, 
Long before he was known as Sinterklaas in the Low Countries or the Clement Clark Moore poem told us of a story of a man witnessing a B&E in his own home, there was St. Nicholas. In addition to being the central saintly figure of the Christmas season, aside from, you know, the other right. obvious guy that they wrote you know, half the Bible about. Yeah. Kind of central to the story. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah he's kind of right up there in the middle. Yep. Uh, Nick was the patron saint of sailors, pirates, merchants, archers, reformed thieves, those falsely accused in court, children, students, pawnbrokers, and the brewers of beer. So another crossover with us. Here, he's fucking here. He's a good oh, dude. And he... <laughs> He punched somebody over the hyperstatic gang. We're going to get to I that. Love damn, it. Yeah. damn right he did. And yeah, so said to have been born. It wasn't in, just someone. <laughs> <laughs> said to have been born in Turkey around 280 in a wealthy family. He grew up to be the Bishop of Mira. Uh, and in the meantime, he was cast into prison under the Roman Emperor Diocletian, who did not like Christians. Uh, and he was released upon the accession of Constantine and was an ascendant at the famed Council of Nicaea, where for the first time a consensus on what the official tenets of Christianity actually were going to be. But this makes St. Nicholas the unlikely figure to turn into the Santa Claus of today. Uh, but some of the darker stories of his life, uh, most of them laid down in his first official hagiography, written several centuries after his death, uh, tell a very different story. These are also written by a guy named Michael the Archimandrite. Which is a, a That's very metalocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> so the first story centers around Nicholas's actually cool habit of distributing his late parents' wealth to the needy. Uh, Nicholas heard of a devout man, because what's the point of helping someone if they're not devout, and actually bringing new congregants in through acts of kindness, you know, you could try that, uh, who had been wealthy, but he'd lost all of his money through the, quote, plotting and envy of Satan. Uh, the man had three daughters and could not afford a dowry for them to marry men of proper standing, meaning that they would remain unmarried and most likely to be forced to become prostitutes. Now, after hearing of the girl's plight and hoping to avoid them selling themselves into slavery and instead helping their father pay someone else to put them into a Similar arrangement. Nicholas, uh, who was too modest to help them publicly, went to the house under the cover of night and for three nights in a row cast small bags of gold down the house's chimney. And in later medieval retellings, the bags landed in the women's stockings as they were driving by the fire. Are we sure he wasn't just pre-ordering the daughter's wares? <laughs> no. I mean... No, Nicholas takes care of his women. It's not in the text. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying he wasn't. This is this is whenever he went by the name Pepper Jack. Then they shortened it. Lost in the mythology. They shortened it to Nick. <laughs> not a lot. <laughs> lost in the mythology is Saint Nicholas's uh, well-known eagle pimp cane. <laughs> So I'm so glad we decided to do a Christmas special this year. He calls his dick the sleigh. Oh, that's enough out of you, Kyle. So another story has Saint Nicholas. Blame the Mad Elf. So another story has Saint Nicholas appearing to the Emperor Constantine in a dream to warn him of the consul Oblavius, accepting a bribe to put three famous generals to death in spite of their innocence, forcing Constantine to sentence Oblavius to death. Although Nicholas once again appeared in a dream, this time to Oblavius forcing him to release the generals, repent for the fear of hell, and convert to Christianity. Nobody went se- nobody's death sentence was carried out, and everybody went on happily. A third story tells of a malicious butcher who, during a terrible famine, lured three children to his house, killed them, placed their remains in a barrel of brine to cure, and intended to sell the meat to make a profit. Nicholas, visiting the... Uh, uh, was uh, visiting the town to care for the hungry, uh, saw through the butcher's lies and resurrected the children. 
Now, ancient Christian scholar Jonah Lindring states that this is a later medieval story and helpfully adds that the story is without any historical value. So, you know, thanks for that. Chopped up and fermented children somehow got added to the story. Yeah, later on. <laughs> I just want to see... Somebody it was, it was that... missing a big selling point. Yeah. There's no way after the resurrection to... those kids are doing okay. Yeah. Like, oh, they just like duct tape me. back together. Please kill me. <laughs> it it hurts. <laughs> that nickel... had to be a German. That yeah. had, a German. Every time they walk past story. the stable, the donkeys are just licking them because they still smell <laughs> taste like the salt. <laughs> but, yeah, so Nicholas apparently uh, heard tell of, that something was awry visited the butcher's home and with his sheer saintly presence forced the man to confess to his crimes. The man was strung up, crucified, upside down, and then flayed alive. And then Nicholas used his saintly power to resurrect the children, hopefully after he reattached all their parts. (laughs) I feel like crucified upside down would actually suck less. I mean... Because the blood to the head would mm, be pretty pretty damn fast. St. Peter asked to asked for it to be done that way so that he would uh, because he didn't feel that he had the right to be um, executed. I feel like he'd black out like pretty quickly in the form of the Messiah. So I I don't know. I'm pretty sure it would suck no matter what. Well, so you, might be re- you might be. You might be. I mean, the right. end result. But is you're not staying die. awake yeah. for three days. I mean, I'd be. I'd, I'd be arguing that. like, can I just pay a fine? That that's just me though. <laughs> so. Uh, legend also flake. <laughs> so legend also has Saint Nicholas punching the primary Arian bishop at the Council of Nicaea in his face. I thought it was Arius himself. It might have been Arius. I, I um, but he lost his temper well, with the Arian heresies hey. and was placed in a cell and he had his mitre and his pallium removed. I I do too. He's my mentor. I, I love punching Gnostics in the face. It's very clear. Begotten not made, consubstantial with the Father. It's but, it's very clear. But yeah, this is. You this. hear that? <laughs> Deck the halls. Deck a heretic. Uh, getting in the getting in the spirit. But uh, but Christ and the Virgin Mary appeared in Nicholas's cell, and Nick says he was imprisoned for loving them. Uh, they used some kind of power. I don't know how. I, apparently, I mean, the idea of poltergeist Jesus is kind of fun. I'm I mean, not gonna lie. It was a desert wizard. It's it's come on guys. Like a Jedi. I'm, I'm right here. <laughs> Luke Skywalker was a desert wizard. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. So was Obi Wan. So, yeah. Obi Wan's right. the best. But after his death, Nicholas's body was interred in a church in his old bishopric of Mira, where it said that his remains would exude a clear, watery liquid that smelled of roses and had miraculous healing powers. Was it squirt? I. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! Oh my God. You just don't fucking ask those things, dude. <laughs> oh my god. After the mystery. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You know what I told I was oh, like, well, how does this absolutely nosedive after the shit log? <laughs> <laughs> you know, after I was talking to my mother on the phone today and I told her that we were going to record this tonight, and she goes, try to keep the bathroom talk to a minute. Oh, you should have said that up front. <laughs> <laughs> One of our patrons, Kyle. One so, of our patrons. After the business, we're just going to have to get a fourth, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> this one, we'll got, just, this one got stuck to the side of the tube or something. We're, we're running we'll out, fer- man. We'll ferment him later. <laughs> so after the Byzantine Empire lost control of the area to the Seljuk Turks, access to Saint Nicholas's remains were limited. But in 1087, a group of soldiers from Bari in Italy took advantage of the post-war confusion and seized the remains over the objection of the Orthodox monks that were guarding it and returned them to Bari with the approval of Pope Urban II. 
Now, some of these bones were later stolen by Venetian soldiers during a later war with Venice and the Normans who controlled uh, Bari. St. Nicholas's feast day became the 6th of December, and on, and on this day it is said that St. Nicholas rides through the streets on a white horse, dispensing gifts to good and godly children by placing them in their shoes, while his assistants give out punishments or tokens of disdain. More on them later. As the cult of St. Nicholas spread throughout Northern Europe and the Low Countries, he became uh, known in the, as a figure called Sinterklaas. Although these gift-giving celebrations were suppressed by the Protestant Reformation as they wanted to eliminate the worship of saints, although these celebrations never fully disappeared and had a, a resurgence in later centuries. <clears throat> now, as the United States was formed and large numbers of Dutch and German immigrants came across the sea, the figure of Santa Claus that we know today slowly morphed into the coke-swilling, jolly fat bastard who brings iPhones to screaming little shitheels. And since kids are a nightmare, I suggest we bring back some of Santa's bad little helpers. And I know I said this in the past, but I really enjoy the yin and yang quality mm -hmm. of like some of the things we're going to talk mm -hmm. about. There's just, I don't know, there's just something really like fulfilling about it. We need more of the yang, so to speak. We, it, I yeah. mean, it, it's, it, it is the iPhone-wielding shitheels that you're talking about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some kids don't deserve it. I mean, children <laughs> should be afraid more often. Yeah. Right. Grim, the, the Grim motivator. Brothers had it, right? I mean, what are some of the, our favorite figures to talk about on this show? Dark figures who serve a purpose. Right. And that's, not, that's nothing if not these guys that we're about to talk about. Now, lots of different communities have had stories develop of somebody accompanying St. Nicholas as he travels around to bestow gifts on all the children of the world, and most of them aren't very pleasant people to be around. Now, we'll get to our personal favorite at, at, at the end here, but in the meantime, there are some others that caught our attention, starting with Necht Ruprecht, or Servant Rupert, uh, who's a figure in Germany's Bavaria and Franconia regions who accompanies St. Nick on his rounds, and is probably the lightest of the helper figures as he appears as a bearded man wearing a long fur cloak covered in pea vines. According to tradition, <laughs> covered pee. in pee, <laughs> covered in pee, vines. <laughs> what is it? So, like, like pee is in like the food pee, as in the pea plant. Okay, yeah. But according to tradition, Ruprecht asks children if they know their prayers, and if they do, they receive nuts, apples, and gingerbread. If they do not, Ruprecht beats them with a bag of ashes that he carries on his belt. So basically, a man who looks like Chris in a giant fur coat saying, "Do you know your prayers?" Yeah, that works. I mean, that's how maybe, we Maybe him. I'm just going to start doing that. <laughs> I think you should. Well, you do got the cult. Servant right Rupert. The street. <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, the Palatinate region of Germany has a, sigur, a similar figure named Belsnickel, who travels around in disheveled furs and rags, bearing pocketfuls of candy, nuts, and cakes for good children, but a switch with which to beat the naughty ones. Almost identical figures exist in the Alsace region, uh, a man who goes by Hans Trapp, and the Swiss representation known as Schmutzli. 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 <laughs> The you get a little schmutzly on your shirt there, yeah. <laughs> the, French, the French have a figure named Père Fouettard who dispenses lumps of coal or whippings to naughty children, while Saint Nick dispenses gifts and sweets to the good ones. He's said to dress in dark robes and has a scraggly, unkempt beard and long hair. Now, the, uh, the darkest origin story comes from as far back as 1150, where, and this may sound familiar, an innkeeper captures three wealthy boys who are on their way to enroll in a religious boarding school. Along with his wife, he drugs the children, robs them of their wealth, slits their throats, and cuts them into pieces, stewing them in a barrel to brine, much like the happy little story in the St. Nicholas hagiography. Now, here St. Nicholas shows up again, discovers the crime, and resurrects the kids, and depending on the version you hear, Père Fautard either repents and becomes St. Nicholas's partner, or St. Nicholas forces him to become his eternal assistant as punishment for his crimes. Now, apparently, in the last couple centuries, a figure named Spanky 
actually became a part of folklore and Cajun communities here in the southern U.S. as a sort of derivative figure that of the Père Futard that was believed in by the French immigrants who moved to the area in the 1700s. I have had a couple of people ask me where the name Spanky comes from, and it is a direct translation from the French, because Père Futard literally translated means Father Spanker, or Daddy Spanker. If I was in the XFL, that's what I would put on the back of my jersey. Because <laughs> I can't have he hate me because somebody took it. Uh, yeah, that's 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 an upsetting one. Daddy spanking. Who would like heard his, that before? Who would like a spanking from Daddy? No, that's that's a that's a bad. Yeah, thing. that's the question. As I'm carrying around With my baguette, ca- smoking a cigarette, wearing my <laughs> just my horizontal striped shirt and beret. <laughs> that's what you want to hear from the man who just broke into your house on Christmas morning. <laughs> just chain smoking. I smell Galois blancs. What's going on? These are still cut. I smell cigarettes and cheese. <laughs> so then we have the Mari Hluid. Uh, the Mari Hluid is a Welsh Christmas wassailing folk custom this found in the east, found yeah, in the southern part a, of Wales. It's a, the horse head rap yeah. battle, which is made of a horse's yeah, The Mari Hluid is made of a horse's skull affixed to the top of a pole, decorated with ribbons in which the bearer, hidden under cloth, uh, and with the bearer hidden under cloth. And some villages held the tradition of keeping <laughs> or the bearers, skull, which is or even bearers. funnier. Yeah. Right? Right. You imagine like. Three dudes running around under a sheet. What do you mean? I got to be the ass of the Mari Lewitt again this year. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and some villages held the tradition of keeping the skull buried throughout the year to be dug up on the onset of the Christmas season. Now, the name of the custom either comes from uh, the Welsh words for grey mare or a reference to Holy Mary, with the equine beast representing the ass that Mary, mother of Jesus, rode on during her and Joseph's flight to Egypt. Now, during this ritual, groups of men... Which we don't bring up at all enough in the nativity. Mm. I mean, Mary's ass. Why don't... Dude. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> no, why were, they, why were they fleeing... Dude. Why were they fleeing to Egypt? I mean... The Omicron variant? The, 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 the whole uh, yeah, murder of the innocents? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gets a little overlooked, but it, yeah. it is... Um, well, also... I think you don't see it as much because donkeys aren't the cheapest to rent. Yeah. It's cheaper just to have people walk, and often you're dealing with rather shoestring church budgets, so that's fine. But um, yes, during yeah, the- I don't I think Padre was more concerned about the how as to the why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think Padre was like, well, why do they put more horses in the, in the nativity seat? No, it was like, why are they in the nativity to, be, to begin with? Yeah, there was a don't, lot of genocide. Yeah. Don't put Mike Garnett <laughs> on your don't put Mike Garnett on your nativity let's, planning let's, commission. It's going to end up looking like a rejected scene from Ben Hur. We're talking about the we're talking about the fucking suit of the genocide. Damn it! <laughs> I want people to be very sad. <laughs> So, I mean, 2,000 screaming dead children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so during the uh, Mari Lewid ritual, groups of men would bear this hellish hobby horse around the town, some of them dressed as stock characters, such as Punch and Judy, others bearing instruments, all dressed in ribbons, paper flowers, and sashes, so looking very masculine, uh, and go to local houses requesting entry through the medium of a song known as the Huinko, beginning with the lyrics... Well, here we come, innocent friends, to ask leave, to ask leave, to ask leave, to sing. Which is actually, looking back, how we should have begun our episode. Yeah, maybe. Well, I'm, But we're already in here. Yeah, we're, we're here. Oh, this is Welsh, We're here. Right? We're 30 minutes yeah. in. Like, it's this fine. is Welsh. I'm, I'm, it's just making me wonder. And to be honest, like none of us are going to sing like a Welshman. Yeah, it's a land yeah. of singers. You ever, you ever heard a Welsh chorus sing Land of My Fathers? Good Lord. I will. And they're coal miners. So, like... How how did they sing like that with lungs just full of God knows what? I, I want to know if Sophie D can sing. 
Oh, God. We've been over this. There are other Welsh people. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah, but they don't look like Sophie D. Uh, <laughs> Catherine Zeta-Jones? you fucking kidding yeah, me? Yeah, I, was, I, I, I agree with you, what about, but she's still not Sophie D. What about Tom Jones? <laughs> uh, uh, well, he kind of runs. He's, he's up there with Sophie he's D. He's a brunette. <laughs> <laughs> so that's She's also. not. Also, I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> I'm I'm pleading the fifth on this one. So my the householders would be expected to deny them entry again through the medium of song, and back and forth they would go until the homeowners would eventually relent and invite the men in and give them food and drink. Now this ritual probably has roots in the pre-Christian period that managed to and it managed to survive the Christianization of Wales through the dark, uh, during the Dark Ages. Now, current theories are that it was originally a Samhain tradition uh, held in late October, but over the millennia, it blended in with the winter holidays and lost any religious significance it may have had, becoming a simply more heavy metal form of caroling. This is the best thing ever. You show up at someone's house, you sing at them until they say, fuck it, drink all my booze, and then you drink all their booze. Yeah. yeah. And then we should do this. And then you do, do it this. again. Yeah. And then you just go next door. We're going to have to learn Welsh, though, because we're going to do I, this. I honestly, be- I will learn Welsh for this. Oh, I'll also just, kill a horse. Could just be the four of us. <laughs> also, like if we, especially, I feel very confident if we do it in my neighborhood. Yeah, we'll be the only Welsh speakers. They'll have no, they'll have no retort. And we're in. Just yeah, the, so just, just the four of us with a horse's skull on a pole singing, hooked on a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, they're in, at it again this year. In true Welsh tradition, we will sing "What's New, Pussycat." Oh God. <laughs> and while we're on the subject of strange Christmas beasts. We'll get to a few of those after we take a short break. Life is too short for bad cocktails. A good party can be a great party with a signature drink and the right bartender making it. From happy hour to reunion or an intimate dinner to a lavish wedding, the Last Word Cocktail Company can provide everything you need to make your next event an experience that your guests will never forget. The Last Word offers in-person and virtual cocktail classes for both groups and individuals to up your game and teach you the techniques to make the perfect libation. You can learn the art of the Manhattan, the elegance of the martini, and any of the classics, from pre-prohibition to modern. When you throw a party, why throw a bad party? And when it comes to cocktails, don't just have a say. Have the last word. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Last Word PGH for more information. Welcome back, where we're talking about weird Christmas traditions and folklore. We're talking about weird Christmas beasts. So in Iceland... Locals are warned of the coming of the Jolakuturin, or the Yule Cat. Now, the Yule Cat is a monster from Icelandic folklore, a huge and vicious kitty cat said to lurk around the snowy countryside at Christmas time, and it would eat those who had not received any new clothes to wear before Christmas Eve. Was Her just- name is Bjork, right? It's <laughs> Bjork. It does bear mention, uh, while we're talking about this like huge cat stalking the countryside, that it's not like a panther or a lion or a jaguar. No. It's a house cat. Yeah. Just it's, huge. It's, it's like pretty a 10-foot sure house cat. sure it lives in cat. my apartment. <laughs> I'm also pretty sure this was just a backdoor ad campaign by the company Puma. Yeah. <laughs> Buy new clothes or our mascot will come eat you. Yule, Yule was invented by Pumas to sell more clothes. <laughs> so the threat of being eaten by the Yule cat was used by farmers as an incentive for their workers to finish processing the autumn wool before Christmas. Now, those who took part and finished their work would receive new wool clothes as a sort of Christmas bonus, whereas those who didn't take part or didn't pull their weight would get nothing, thereby becoming prey. Good to see capitalism has always been fucked. Yeah. 
Now, a more recent, gentler interpretation of the Yule Cat has him eating the food of those without new clothes during the Christmas feasts, leaving them hungry and destitute. Snowflakes. I, yeah, I, apparently. Agree. I, would, I agree with you guys. Yeah, <coughs> don't water down the Yule Cat. Yeah, apparently even Vikings are getting soft these days. <laughs> then, uh, elsewhere in Iceland, uh, Icelandic Christmas continues to bring more fucked up figures into their folklore and celebrations through the visitation of the Yule Lads. Or They're the, my favorite part. Or the Yule Svenera. Were they 13, fancy? 13, fancy no. lads. Fancy lads. Man, oh man, I hate those Yule Lads. <laughs> yeah, we haven't had that reference in a while. Good job, guys. Yeah. Was the Yule Lads the Backstreet Boys like Christmas cover band? <laughs> I mean, it would be our Christmas cover band, let's face it. Yeah. There's, there's a striking resemblance. So 13, yeah, so the Yule Lads were 13. I want to be the sausage dealer. <laughs> so the 13, and you can be, Michael, if you just you set what, your if, mind to if it. If you work hard and believe in yourself. <laughs> so the Yule Lads were 13 mischievous pranksters and thieves that come into town one at a time on the 13 nights leading up to Christmas, and each stays for 13 days, causing trouble whilst at the same time leaving either small gifts or rotten potatoes in the shoes of the children uh, that the children leave out. And while that yeah. does sound... Like better than like getting beaten by a switch or anything. If you've ever like forgotten potatoes yeah, and then come back into it, it is a world of farts. <laughs> well, also, you now a, just have flies for the run. next three months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, that's probably the most disgusting out of anything. Any punishment I've heard. So I would take. I would take thirty seconds of staying over a lifetime of my <laughs> shoes smelling like like rotten potatoes. Well, it's, I mean, think about it. You don't. You're getting up in the morning. You're not even. You, know, you put go to put your shoes on. And, Yep. Fuck. But, <laughs> but yes, <laughs> squish inside the potato. And that's not that is not a, a smell that you just get rid of. No. But you yeah. gotta wait for that skin to die. Yeah. You're cutting the foot off at that yeah. point. I mean, you're just you're just dumb. you gotta wait for the cells all to regrow. Right. So yeah, so the children either get small gifts or rotten potatoes depending on their behavior throughout the year. And we have as follows the full roster of the Yule lads. We have Stekjastauer or sheep cloak coat clawed. Who harasses sheep but is impaired by his stiff peg legs? We have Giryagaur or Gullygok who hides in gullies waiting for an opportunity to sneak into the cow shed and steal milk. There's Stufor or Stubby who is abnormally short and steals pans to eat the crust left on them. These all sound so much worse in my head until you describe what the crime is because I'm, my head's, well, wow, yeah, like Gullygok is just. <laughs> you expect something far more terrifying than yeah. a guy who's just going just to... hiding in a ditch waiting for skirts to walk above him. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Your peg-legged sheep fucker. That's if we were the Yule Man, I was gonna say. <laughs> so, so, so I'm the gully guy? <laughs> yeah. We have uh, Schwurjuslecht, uh, or spoon licker, yeah. who steals wooden spoons to lick and is ex- and is extremely thin due to malnutrition. There's Potterschäfel, or, pot, or pot scraper, who steals the leftovers from pots. Then there's Aschischklecker, who hides under bed, or the bowl licker, who hides under beds, waiting for people to put down their ashkors, which are traditional Icelandic wooden bowls with lids, which he then steals. I'm sorry, could you say his name again? Aschkurlecker. So he's a millennial. <laughs> well, it's either it's either licking that or avocados. I guess. <laughs> yeah, <you know? laughs> Gross avocados. Uh, I'm ooh, sorry, ooh. Deb. Ooh, it's a tweet notification from Christian Yelich. <laughs> oh, oh, that poor guy. Then there's a scaler or door slammer who likes to slam doors. That's shocking outcome. It was like, I know. honestly like the most mischievous yeah. of any of them. But he does like to do it, especially in the night. 
So it does make so it's not just the wind. Yeah. Like the one guy is like, oh, I'm going to steal all the scraps out of your pants. He just cleans them. Yeah. Like, oh, all right, <laughs> cool. Thanks. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't mean to get that. Filled that. With dawn, oh, no. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You're going to do my chores. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, could you bring by your buddy floor sweeper or lawnmower? <laughs> <laughs> then there's a skiergamor or skiergobbler who has a great affinity for stealing skier, the uh, Icelandic yogurt typically served with milk and sugar. Uh, then there's Bjugnakreker, or Sausage Swiper. <laughs> That's my guy. There you go, Padre. <laughs> Who hides in the rafters and snatches sausages that are being smoked. Then there's... Yeah, it's even smoked sausage. Yeah. Nice. Uh, is there any other kind? <laughs> Let's be honest. And then there's Glugageger, or Window Peeper. Again, a one that sounds way worse than he actually is. Uh, I always think of the little Nicky, uh, John Lovitz and little Nicky when I hear this <laughs> reference. <laughs> And uh, yes, but Window Peeper is a snoop who looks through windows in search of trinkets to steal. Then there's Gatteschnefer. Mm-hmm. Trinkets. Trinkets. Sure. Mm-hmm. Then there's Gatteschnefer, or doorway sniffer, who has an abnormally large nose and an acute sense of smell, which he uses to steal Lofabrauta, and I, an Icelandic Christmas bread like a thin fried pancake. So they're anti Semitic. I. The bad guy has a big nose. To be honest, my head went there too. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm trying to. It's the adrenochrome. It. Yeah. <laughs> There's. Hey, I'm a member of the the secret Jesus, Jewish space laser course. This is. So. Oh, this is gonna pop some algorithms, and we're gonna end up on ends of the internet we don't want to be on. <laughs> then there's Ketkroker or Meat Hook, who uses a hook to steal hams and legs of mutton. Then there's Meat Hook is my favorite professional wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> then there's Kethersnicker or Candle Stealer, who follows children in order to steal their candles and eat them. Which sounds weirder than it actually is because candles used to be made of tallow, fat, yeah. and used to be technically edible. That's what made McDonald's fry yeah. so good. And then they took the beef tallow out. Yeah. That was the same with Burger King. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Uh, so as far as what they looked like goes, you'll find as many different descriptions of the Yule Lads as there are descriptions of the Yule Lads. Every single one describes them a little differently. Some say they are human-sized. Others say they're anywhere from a foot tall to three feet tall. It all varies. And others still quite say widely. they are ninety feet tall, weighing three metric tons. <laughs> so while the, God, the one with the wooden legs just clump, 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 <laughs> from miles away. Yo lads, came through town, killed ninety four people. So, and finally, uh, so while the Yule lads are especially now portrayed as fairly lighthearted characters, just sort of mischief makers, they are the sons of two far darker creatures called Grilla and her husband, Lepalothi, who are without a doubt Iceland's most hideous ogres. And Iceland apparently has a lot of hideous ogres. I mean, if, if you think about like Nordic culture. Yeah, like, big parts of Icelandic folklore, the yeah. ogres. Yes, yeah, Draugr not... and ogres everywhere. Yep. So Grilla has three heads, three eyes in each head, horribly long curved fingernails, icy blue eyes, horns like a goat, ears that dangle to her shoulders and are attached to her nose in the front, Teeth like burnt rocks in a grate, and a beard like matted yarn on a weave. Fifteen tails, and each tail contains one hundred sacks, each sack containing twenty children. She has a great sense of humor. <laughs> now, As she was going to St. Ives. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all of this is according to the, uh, the Sturling Saga uh, from the 15th century. Now, all of these children scream their heads off constantly, announcing her presence with a hellish din. She killed and ate her first husband, the troll Gooster, and her second husband, the troll Bully, as well. 
Her third and present husband, Lepalothi, is of a similar appearance without the tail sacks full of kids and is generally nearby when Grilla appears. And they've had 20 children, 13 of which are the Yule lads. It's also said that the Yule cat is Grilla's pet. Uh, she's used as a bogeyman figure to frighten naughty children, said to take kids in the night and wander the wastes of Iceland eternally. She puts them in the butt sacks, right? Yes. That's horrible. See, see I, I, you've just ruined the movie uh, Frozen for me because I have a hard... I, I, can't, I just can't bring myself to believe that Oaken believes this shit. You can't let it go. Nice, Kyle. That was a good joke. That was a good one. Okay, I got I let it. it go. And then... Last but not least, there's Krampus. Fuck yeah. Krampus. It's our absolute favorite dark Christmas figure. Patron saint of the podcast. He takes the form of a horned anthropomorphic goat demon with cloven hooves and is the counter to St. Nicholas. Celebrated in the Alps regions of Bavaria, Austria, Croatia, the Czech Republic, Slovenia, and Hungary, Krampus has long fangs, a lolling tongue, and he carries heavy manacles hung with bells for added effect. He also carries rutin, bundles of birch branches with which to beat naughty children, and a sack or a basket strapped to his back used to cart off evil kids for drowning in nearby alpine lakes, consuming them or just transporting them straight to hell. In less threatening folklore, Krampus dispenses switches and coal into the shoes of naughty children as a warning or a tool for beatings to be dispensed by their parents, while his goody-two-shoes boss fills the good kid's shoes with presents. In the 19th century, Young men would stand in the town square dressed as Krampus, waiting to be hired to come to houses to put the fear of God into children. It's so good. Which is a... Um, say it's, That tradition still exists. Yeah. And I think we should start it here. Uh, and since the uh, late 1800s... I'm only doing it one time a year. I'm not, I'm not doing Krampus more than once. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I, fair. I, I'm getting older. I don't. I lack the constitution uh, well, for I'm, it. No, I'm not <laughs> saying... Can we, can we put that on TaskRabbit? I'm not saying we're the ones that do it. Yes, I'm saying we franchise it out. We start the business. We're not the ones doing the. We're not the ones doing the hard work. We're the ones just raking in that cash. Baby. Oh, I'll go scare children. Well, okay. You already I, do. I yeah, work in Kennywood yeah, a month out of each year yeah. to terrify teenagers for a reason. It certainly isn't for the pay. <laughs> and since the late 1800s, greeting cards with photos of Krampus, uh, introduced with "Gruß vom Krampus" or "Greetings from Krampus," uh, feature him looming menacingly over children or pursuing buxom women. These because cards. Krampus got to get. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's got a Gene Simmons tongue. I mean, like even, he's basically furry venom. Even even Krampus needs that good good. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I get it. And um, apparently, he's got a type. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, these cards. Sophie D. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> these cards. What you didn't see, guys, or folks, is you didn't see me sitting here licking my eyebrows. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hell. It's a hell of a pickup line. I've got a nine-inch tongue and can breathe through my ears. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, these sorts of greeting cards have been exchanged for decades in Europe, often bearing humorous or naughty rhymes and poems. There, there once was a man from Nantucket, and so forth. Uh, Krampus is uh, said even to represent an incubus, or a demon that seduces mortal women to impregnate with his He's demonic seed. incubus! Yeah. Krampus lace pipe? <laughs> uh, the Catholic Church forbade the raucous celebrations and suppressed the practice for many, many years during the uh, 18th, 19th, and early 20th centuries. Although fascists in World War II Europe found Krampus despicable 
because he was considered to be a creation of the left-wing Social Democrat Party. <laughs> Jesus Which Christ. is always a fact. I love. He's a fucking about communist. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't like him. They said Krampus. Was, they said Krampus was a commie, which is weird. But well, he wasn't giving presents. Yeah, but it gives enough reason. Because give another reason. Well, no, that would be the opposite, though. Because if you're giving presents to everybody, that is more in line with the. Uh, yeah, that's true. With the socialist ideal, isn't it? Everybody gets an equal share. Santa's mm-hmm. a socialist. But uh, uh, again, the uh, the algorithm gets tripped. Yeah. <laughs> this time it gets tripped the other way. So out of all the weird it. things that people are politicizing now, Santa Claus is the worst of it. Just for whatever mm-hmm. reason, like that's like the most upsetting to me. Yep. Like, just stop politicizing Santa Claus. He's fucking Santa Claus. He's a magic dude that lives in the north and brings toys once a year. <laughs> he works one day a fucking year. Give him yeah. a break. He's Tim Allen and he likes snow. Oh wait, Tim Allen does like <laughs> he snow. Does snow. <laughs> <laughs> However, but yeah, so. If we you didn't already have enough reasons to like Krampus, he pisses off Nazis, which is not can never be considered to be not a good thing. You would think of all the things that would piss off Nazis, the Krampus would not be one of them. You For people as kinda... into the occult as they were, right. yeah. you would mm-hmm. think a goat demon yeah. I mean, who, with a giant tongue would, you're talking would be about exciting. With scores to settle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about a group of people that literally were doing genetics to create a magic... Aryan ox. <laughs> right. Um, but in a slight continuation of that, although far less severe, the, the right-wing Austrian government in the 1950s used to distribute pamphlets stating the evil of Krampus and the evils of celebrating him. Now, in modern time, drunken men dressed as devils take over the streets for a Krampuslauf, or a Krampus run, to chase people, particularly young women, through the streets, whipping them uh, with switches, probably fairly gently in this modern time. Although, there are some parts of Europe where they still go hard. Uh, in fact, one American posted a review of a Krampuslauf in Salzburg, Austria. It's so goddamn funny. It's on TripAdvisor. <laughs> and it said, I don't know, and I copied it down and said, quote, Krampus will hit you. <laughs> oh, he can hit. <laughs> he can hit. But they aim for the legs and it only stings for a second. And it follows on later, quote, while most of the Krampuses seemed content to harass the crowd on foot, some rode in large carts or trucks, shooting flames and bellowing smoke. So fucking metal. Now we got... A particularly... <laughs> you okay, Mike? Rule 34. Oh, no. Rule 34 says that there's Krampus cockled porn. <laughs> I'm sure there is. I mean, it's a very safe bet. It's out there. Kyle, no, Kyle put your phone away. <laughs> a... To continue the quote, a particularly large and frightening Krampus chased down an offending teenager who was jeering them through the crowd, threw him to the ground, and sat on his chest. The boy looked terrified and near tears. Some people were caught unawares and tried to flee into shops or restaurants, only to be pursued and confronted by a determined Krampus who was unafraid to follow them in. It was awesome. Uh, yes, and on a pleasing uh, note, North uh, Krampus celebrations in North America have really grown in the 2010s and into the 2020s. Although you know the last couple of years they've been a little bit muted, but we had we were without one for in Pittsburgh here for a year. It was back this year. Hell Those yeah. of us who went had a great time, as we always do. Those of us like who didn't only... wish we were there yep. instead of where we were. So that's <laughs> yeah, all right. Life happens. Yeah. But it seems uh, seems like it's only getting better, and it seems like Krampus is becoming more popular. I think next year I'm just gonna do, if I'm at work, I'm just gonna dress like Krampus. Just do, yeah, just do, just do Krampus it there. anyway. Right. Well, you've been telling because us believe about, like, me, the people that 
the people that came to work that night deserved Krampus. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're going to finish today with some stories of some very real life bad Santas. Now, this is a pretty common thing, is every year there seems to be some mall Santas who get in trouble for God knows what. And you always hear about a couple people in St. Nick suits getting arrested at the various Santa cons that happen around the country. Oh, God, those are the fucking worst, yeah. man. But they're including one, the, the last one they had in Hoboken in 2019. Jeez. 19 Santas got arrested. It's Hoboken. Mm-mm, still. But it, yeah, but there are some. That more. was probably a down year. Yeah. Yeah, were, I mean, it's from my friends that work in the industry, like in East, even in the East Village. Like, they, you'll put signs on the door and open late. Yeah. You know, just so that, you know, like a no Santa's policy. Like, absolutely not. But, uh, yeah, some of the uh, dishonorable mentions include a drunken Santa Claus in 2015 who was denied a free tour on an amphibious DUKW, better known as a duck boat, in Seattle, who flew into a rage and scaled the sides of the vehicle, ripping off the various bows and Christmas lights that it had been decorated with. He got into a physical struggle with the boat's crew and started screaming at the children present that Santa wasn't real. So you can imagine all the mayhem that ensued before the cops showed up and arrested the man for drunk and disorderly. In October of 2013, a 14-year-old boy in St. Paul, Minnesota, woke up to discover a blood-covered Santa Claus unconscious on the living room floor of his family home and started screaming for help. His parents, oh my God, that child. <laughs> his parents, his parents <laughs> called the cops, who arrived to discover that the blood was fake, and the Santa in question was 21-year-old Brock Johnson, a student at the nearby. There's univer- no fucking way that's his real name. <laughs> a student at the univer- at the nearby University of St. What Thomas, are you going to school with Peter Parker? Like Jesus Christ, <laughs> who showed up? I'm only going by what the news article said. Who showed up to the previous night's zombie bar crawl? Dressed as Zombie Santa, and okay, it got great. And that gotten, is great. And it gotten so blackout drunk that he broke into the wrong house and passed out. I, I love that. If you're I, gonna, I know every three part of people that. that have done that. Yeah. I don't mean to laugh at this child, but God, if you're going to have your dreams crushed as a child, <laughs> well, he was fourteen. That's the way to have it. Fourteen should probably. Uh, probably yeah, the blood covered man way, passed out on the floor. There's then. still a bloody man passed out in your <laughs> house. Uh, so yeah, so he was arrested for trespassing and public intoxication. But the, in, in a in a lighter note, the family later dropped the charges after he paid them to fix the broken window lock and to have the carpet steam cleaned. Because according to the father, quote, if anyone deserves a gesture to help them learn the real spirit of Christmas, it's Zombie Santa. <laughs> it's Zombie Santa. Honestly, that's the best Christmas story I've ever heard, and we can just end here. <laughs> oh no, there's more. At a Christmas festival in Aberdale, Coonan in, uh, in Wales in 2016, a man playing Santa Claus was being drawn on a sleigh into the square when some passerby shouted something that apparently offended him. <laughs> and so Santa jumped off the sleigh, tackled the man, and started throwing punches. The fight was quickly broken up, and the man playing Santa Claus was arrested for assault, but dozens of nearby children were left in floods of tears at the sight of a handcuffed Father Christmas being loaded into the back of a police van, convinced that this year there would be no presents under the tree. What do you say to Santa Claus that he dismounts his sleigh and beats the shit out of you? I, I looked. I could find Maybe he nothing. was a Nazi. I forgot or a heretic. I forgot about one, and I got to look it up right now. Now, in Marlboro, if we don't get this one, in Marlboro, Massachusetts, in 2019, a man was arrested while, as he was waiting in line to enter the Solomon Ponds Mall on the morning of Black Friday, wearing nothing but sneakers, a full Santa beard and Santa hat, and a black g-string. That was it. Tequila. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Uh, 2011 took a sinister turn at the Berlin Christkindlmarkt or Christmas oh, Market. Oh as a man dressed in a Santa suit was handing out samples of schnapps, claiming that he was just found out he was going to be a father. 
However, it turned out that the shops had been drugged with liquid ecstasy, oh and God. nearly two dozen people were hospitalized. A 1,000-euro reward was offered for information leading to an arrest, but no arrest has ever been made. In 2015, on Black Friday in Sao Paulo, Brazil, a man showed up to Campo de Marte Airport in a full Santa outfit and beard and asked to hire a helicopter for an hour. The pilot was surprised at his passenger's outfit, but he was far more surprised when Santa pulled out a Glock and ordered him to fly to a nearby farm. When they landed, a second man in a Santa suit joined the first, and they tied the pilot and left tied the pilot up and left him at the farm. He was found three hours later unharmed, and both Santas took off in the helicopter. In the intervening six years, no arrests have been made, and the helicopter has never been found. Now this is a movie I want to see made. In Derbyshire in England in 2015, an assailant in a Santa suit with a black ski mask under the beard climbed through the drive-through window of a local KFC holding the staff at knife point and taking all of the cash out of the store's registers and safe, making off with over 6,000 pounds. No arrests have been made in the crime, considering that the uh, description that the Derbyshire police released to the public described the man as, with a large white beard, a red hat, a red trousers, and a red jacket, uh, which I'm sure really narrows it down that time of year. On January 6, 2012, in Jaffa, Israel, the chairman of the Jaffa Orthodox Church Association was leading a procession that was part of the yearly nativity celebrations when a man dressed as Santa approached from behind and stabbed him seven times in the back Oh! before running off and making his escape. Witnesses described, quote, absolute mayhem with an absolute rash of crying children. No shit. Yeah, really. Then there's Randy Lang. Wait, do they not catch that guy? They never caught him. Holy shit. Uh, then there's Randy Lang, who on the 3rd of January, 2015, entered a Buffalo Wild Wings in Monterey, California, determined to distribute some late Christmas cheer. Lang, dressed in a full Santa suit with a black garbage bag over his shoulder, announced to the restaurant that he'd brought presents and began handing out to customers and staff samples from the two five-pound bags of marijuana that the garbage bag contained. The true spirit of That's Christmas. so much weed. He also left... <laughs> That's so much weed. He also left a half-pound brick of weed in the tip jar at the counter. That's amazing. That's so much <laughs> weed. Police, police arrived within a few minutes, but Lang offered no resistance and was calm and congenial with the officers. He's as high that, as a goddamn kite. Well, he was saying that he'd expected to be arrested for this. Uh, he was sentenced to 24 months in jail, but only served slightly less than a year. You know the entire, which is incredible, because that's a Rikers amount of pot. It's still California. That's fair. You know, that's, you know, it's a Corcoran amount of pot. The kitchen staff had that brick smoked before the cops oh, yeah, got there. Yeah, yeah the it, cops never yeah, found out about it, the one in the tip jar it, because a line cook just went. It was, <laughs> it was five pounds by the time the cops got there. It was a half. Yeah. So yeah, that's why you only got a twenty-four month sentence. The line cooks got at it. Can always count on line cooks, man. Uh, in 2013, in Ustrykaj Dolnich in Poland, at the opening of an outdoor Christmas market, the ceremonies were supposed to include Santa arriving on a sleigh pulled by two horses, with Santa himself driving the horses while two people dressed as elves in the back tossed sweets to the local kids. Mayhem, however, ensued as the sleigh pulled into the square going way too fast. <laughs> Barreled towards the market with Santa slumped in the front. The horses turned at the last minute and the elves jumped out, avoiding injury, but the sleigh crashed into one of the buildings and it overturned, injecting a limp Santa who ragdolled onto the pavement. <laughs> well, when the it's, dust, it's funnier when it's Santa. When the dust cleared, paramedics arrived. Now, thankfully, no bystanders were injured, and it turns out that neither was the Santa who had been tossed from the sleigh, not seriously, apart from some scrapes and a, and a, and a concussion. Turns out it was Bam Margera. Yeah. 
Subjecting the children, hold on, subjecting the children present to a second trauma by having them see Santa get loaded into an ambulance on a gurney, it was, it was discovered that the reason Santa was slumped in the front is because he was so hammered that he tested for a blood alcohol content of 0. .35. Wow. Oh, oh God. God. <laughs> Which is nearly six times the legal limit to drive in the EU. To be honest, I believe that man is actually Santa Claus because he would be dead otherwise. Right. It's, it, it isn't lethal. It isn't lethal like point four. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, no I mean, wonder that's he, like point. When you're in the point yeah. threes, that's brain damage. Yeah. Like no wonder he didn't get hurt because he just there was yeah. no resistance there. Just full ragdoll. Uh, another bad Santa earned himself an eight-year prison sentence for walking into a bank in Port Orange, Florida, in December of 2013, which is apparently a big year for bad Santas, and pulled out a sawed-off shotgun and demanded money. <laughs> Mark London, 63, was dressed in a full Santa suit, and the shotgun was contained within a box covered in wrapping paper. Nice. Now, London, nice. Is, now, London escaped with nearly a hundred grand in cash, but he left the wrapped box behind, and prints on the box led police to him within several days. Uh, earlier this month, a post office in Melbourne, Australia, was robbed by a fully kitted out Santa who hopped over the counter and started filling a Santa sack, uh, but we also don't have any specifics about the crime that may have been re- that have, have yet to be released. And finally... We have a bad Santa who didn't commit a crime, but is certainly on a first. Uh, he's certainly a first-class asshole, but that's not really the reason why I'm telling this story. In 2014, a mall Santa in Mission Viejo, California, was fired after turning away a seven-year-old girl and her service dog, flipping out and swearing at the girl because he didn't want the dog named Pupcake anywhere near him. Pupcake. Tra- oh, it gets better. Traumatizing seven-year-old Absade Santos. Absade, spelled A B C D E. <laughs> Wow. How long was that labor? (laughs) (laughs) So then... (laughs) Mike, you're so upset. Are you okay? My... No, no. It's just David. My mother used to be in retail pharmacy before she retired last year. And she... There's some names that she's come come home with. Shathid. S-H-I-T-H-E-A-D shithead? Yeah. (laughs) Asoli. Ashola. I've heard that. I've actually seen that yeah. one before. <laughs> so then we have two stories of Christmas cheer of a different kind. In 2013, in North Charleston, South Carolina, Helen Williams was waiting for her husband to come home on Christmas Eve because he was out on a mission for her. Get beer. But because it was Christmas Eve, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't find any. And when he came home minus the brewskis, Helen flew into a rage and began to beat her husband before stabbing him multiple times with a ceramic squirrel. And when police arrived and found her husband on the floor covered in blood and puncture wounds, Helen, who was herself covered in blood, simply explained that he fell. Now, Helen was arrested for attempted... He fell on the knife 41 times? No, on the squirrel. Yeah, on the squirrel. You had it coming! (laughs) Yeah, yeah, uh, Helen was arrested for attempted murder and is currently serving a 12-year sentence. Uh... Her now ex-husband has since thankfully made a full recovery from his injuries. Do you know she's popular in jail? Because you're like, what'd you do? He didn't bring the beer. Yep, all right. Fair enough. Cool. And now he has a mortal fear of squirrels. (laughs) Everyone should. In in 2011, there was a mysterious rash of home invasions in Vandalia, Ohio. However, nothing was taken. Nothing destroyed. Instead, people would come home to find that someone had broken into their houses and put up Christmas decorations and lights and had lit candles and the TV would be left on off into a channel playing Christmas specials. <laughs> My only problem with that would be the candles. 
Don't light freaking candles. I mean, the candles are completely unsafe. Yeah. <laughs> but also, that he just gave the Christmas gift of, I can get in your house, motherfucker. Enjoy that thought. <laughs> However... You're too cynical. Now, the mystery elf remained unidentified until he... Uh, until he was doing his usual thing in a house he thought to be empty when an 11-year-old boy emerged from a bedroom, his bedroom after a nap oh God. and discovered 44-year-old Terry Trent, who was at the time high on meth, but apologetic and polite. Well, there, there it is. I mean, before, leaving, before leaving the house to be later arrested. Trent was arrested on 12 counts of breaking and entering. But cut a plea deal and has since gotten out of prison. He did this a dozen times. I mean, I've meth never, is a hell of a drug. Mm-hmm. I've never met a polite meth head, though. A congenial polite... Yeah, I don't know that I, yeah. I was ever that close to somebody just tweaking. And yeah. It was like super con- like jovial. Well, yeah. that's, that's not really a priority when you're trying to steal copper wire. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then there's the story of Dumpy... listening to Limp yeah. Biscuit. And then there's... <laughs> hey, I saw, I saw Limp Biscuit live this summer, and I'll tell you what, Fred Durst put on a show. I don't know, man. I really think He that, did that show up in his old I man real... cosplay, though. So how much uh, meth did you take? Plead the fifth, Kyle. It was Lollapalooza. Nothing counts. <laughs> Kyle, as your attorney. <laughs> I plead the fifth. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Isn't, isn't Kid Rock more meth head music? They're both kind of. Limp Biscuit. I don't know. I would I would put Kid Rock slightly above Limp Biscuit. I mean, oh, the Biscuit's times are changing. We're getting bogged down. And then there's the story of dumpy shithead Samuel Bick. Known for spending an awful lot of time protesting outside the White House in a full Santa suit without the beard, which somehow makes it weirder. Bick in 1972 began to suffer from severe depression and paranoia, believing that the Nixon administration was deliberately targeting the poor and had it out for him individually. I mean, to be fair, the Nixon administration was 100% targeting the poor. He's one for two. Uh, He also had a habit of sending rants on tape recordings to various senators, uh, Dr. Jonas Salk, the composer Leonard Bernstein, and a series of other public figures. He attacked Salk? Well, he, he, he mailed him a tape, a rant on a tape. Piece of shit. Uh, he also tried. How are you going to be pissed off at the dude that killed polio? <laughs> to yeah. be fair, we are two years in the COVID. And actually, looking back now. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, sort of the. Yeah, but he didn't have Facebook telling him that he was right. That's yeah. fair. <laughs> yeah, Joe or, Rogan wasn't around yet. Yeah. Or a president. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> Bick also tried to join the Black Panthers, which was difficult as he was a 44-year-old white man. Um, he also caught the Secret Service's attention, but after a cursory investigation, they decided that Bick didn't really represent an, an actual threat. Now, in early 1974, Sam suffered a full break and decided that the solution to his problems was to hijack an airliner and crash it into the White House and kill President Nixon. Bick stole a 22 caliber revolver from a friend and created a bomb out of two gallon jugs of gasoline and an igniter and recorded a manifesto on tape that he called Operation Pandora's Box. Now, on Friday, February 22nd of 1974, Bick headed to Baltimore, Washington International Airport and chose a flight that was almost ready to depart, because you could do that in those days. He paid cash and just walked right on. Uh, He stormed Delta Airlines Flight 523 to Atlanta, a DC-9, killing an airport cop in the process. After the flight deck crew told Bick they couldn't immediately take off, with the door still open and the wheel blocks still down, Bick shot them both, fatally wounding pilot, a co-pilot Fred Jones and injuring pilot Doug Lofton. Now, a fast police response resulted in cops trying to shoot out the aircraft's tires with their 38 caliber service revolvers, but the rounds couldn't penetrate the uh-uh, thick tires and no. they just ricocheted yeah. off into the fuselage of the aircraft. Jesus. 
But the, uh, now a standoff ensued between the police and Bick, who spent several hours ranting over the radio, until a, uh, a quick-thinking police officer picked up the 357 Magnum dropped by the dead officer and fired four times through the plane's thick cockpit windows, wounding Bick three times. Hmm. That's a hell of a shot. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. That's yeah, a hell that's of a shot. Impact. Yeah, that's not bad. It's also impact rated glass. Right. Like, the bullet's not going to go straight through that. And unless he that's was impressive. on, like, one of the stair cars, yeah. he was far. Well, he, well, may, he, have he may have been. I've never found any specifics mm. on that. I mean, he could have been on the nose. We're not, not in the time I had to stationary. research this episode. Yeah, but yeah, it was a good shot. Now, before the police could gain access to the cockpit, Bick ended his own life. President Nixon's schedule remained unaffected, and the Secret Service wasn't notified of the potential threat until the next day. And while Bick's manifesto showed that he wanted to be remembered as a warrior for the downtrodden, modern focus on the story would remain on the Santa suit, from various documentaries about him to the Stephen Sondheim musical Assassins. Unless anybody else has anything to add, that does it. I got a couple of them. Oh, please do. I got a pair. My my favorite, uh, and it's not that it's a bad Santa. It's an unfortunate Santa-related story, and it... uh, it involves Kyle's beloved Philadelphia Eagles I don't on like the, December fifteenth. I, like I know I just make fun of you from that that side of the state. I didn't uh, even like sports until I moved to this goddamn city. December fifteenth, nineteen sixty eight. Oh, Mr. I know Frank this story. Olivo. Oh uh, no, is is marching across the field like comes out the tunnel through the cheerleaders. They're playing Santa Claus is coming to town, and the sixty eight Eagles were really really bad. So the fans are already miserable. This story actually comes from Vince Papali. Like the the dude that walked on and became the special teams darling from the Philadelphia Eagles, who was at that game and said it was the coldest day ever. He was the garbage kicker, right? He was the was he the trash man? That was uh, the that was uh, Tony Danza in Philadelphia's garbage kicking garbage picking field goal kicking Philadelphia phenomenon. Vince Papali might have been might have actually. Been I was a gonna, I thought that uh, was, no, I I'm pretty bar- sure that was based yeah. loosely but, uh, off of. Real I, but I finally get to talk about Tony Danza. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just know he. he gets I've lived a bunch out here for 15 years for a goddamn reason. Uh, I was in Philadelphia for an hour last month. Uh, I had just gotten off a red eye fr- from uh, L.A., and as I'm getting off the plane to spend an hour in Philly, someone behind us in the plane was getting pulled out in handcuffs because she slapped a flight attendant. Yeah, there you and go. And she is now the queen of Philadelphia. Right? Yeah, and it, yeah. she gets to be the mayor next. She's the mayor. Yeah. yeah. So as the as the uh, winds she still are... hasn't eaten the horse shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, that guy's yeah, the mayor now. The His mayor. term's not up. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> as the winds are blowing in, there's, the there's, there's still some procedure <laughs> okay. in place guess... here. And as Frank is walking across the fifty, the crowd turns ugly, <laughs> and they just start booing the shit out of Santa Claus at halftime. Yeah. And whenever he gets to the other end zone. They just started hammering him with snowballs. And this video exists. You can find it. Just look up Philadelphia Eagles. It's so sad. It is the can like the sky is blocked out like Persian arrows. (laughs) And and he's this sweet man and his wife made him. Snowballs will blot out the sun. (laughs) Then we'll fight in the shade. But his his wife made him this suit. Uh, I guess he still has it. Yeah. Covered and in it, blood. I mean, they like they knocked his beard and eyebrows off. Like, it looks like he gets hit about two hundred and fifty times. Oh, he got nailed. It, 
it looks like he gets hit about 250, and people are hucking snowballs at him. This is so on brand for a city whose only sports hero that has a statue is a fictional character. Right. <laughs> people he don't understand. Communism. Always Sunny in Philadelphia is a documentary. <laughs> and I, I have another one. Uh, this is from uh, Christmas 2018 in Cambridgeshire, England. Uh, there was a a children's Christmas rave, which had <laughs> children's wait, Christmas. Wait, wait. I, I'm I'm unclear as to what that means, but apparently, these do they sing- make pediatric escapades? It, it was it, it was man. A, things got it, so much. Yeah, it weirder. tastes like bubble gum. Dude, things got so much weirder once Stormzy became buddies with Jeremy Corbyn. It's a, it's a family <laughs> rave <laughs> event, is how it is wait. described. <laughs> I mean, they already have the pacifiers. And honestly, what I think is it's just a bunch of people listening to like weird mixes of music. Standing around awkwardly, yeah. So, well, so Teco, the, the local fl- anime convention, has a rave on Saturday night, but it's a dry convention. So it's right. just a bunch of nerds in Spider-Man costume nodding heads. Yeah, it sounds right. That's kind of what I'm assuming. It's a family so rave. And I don't know. That could mean something different in... Uh, in British slang, I, I mean, am, to my to my knowledge, it does not. I don't think it does, but hey, God only knows. I'm still pretty much in touch with my half of the my half of the culture from over there. So that's on the that was on the first floor. On the second floor is apparently a, vis- a visibly agitated Santa Claus. Just didn't care for the the rave downstairs at all because it disrupted Santa's grotto. <laughs> so the, <laughs> the dude is is already. And, and he is never named in this, uh, by the way. I do not know his name. It was never released. Oh, man. Um, but, like, an hour into the Santa Claus meet and greet, the fire alarm went off because there were smoke machines downstairs and it tripped the alarm. So Santa Claus upstairs in a room of 50 to 70 children oh, no. rips off his beard and hat and yells, Get the fuck out! <laughs> and pushes his way through the crowd. He did the George Costanza. He stampedes yeah. his way through the crowd of children. People were injured in this. It's like a goddamn great white concert. Yeah. <laughs> and goes flying out that the door. That was a little dark. <laughs> the, uh, the organizers... Oh, shit, I have it here. Um... Here's a quote from a woman. A little boy was upset as his dad was carrying him when Santa told him to get the fuck out, claimed the woman. (laughs) Uh, Organizers apologize for any distress caused by parents and children. The attempts to ensure all visitors and staff had exited the building and were safe. Uh, It also says that Santa Claus was directly responsible for assisting in the evacuation of the building. (laughs) In a sense, he was. The message is pretty clear. <laughs> he is never uh, he is never named in this, but the uh, family rave DJ is named Mr. Stuart Wilkin. That's a pedophile name. That's a pedophile name. <laughs> family. That's a pedophile job. Yeah. Family rave DJ. Uh, he was the the organizers did later call him an absolute disgrace of a Santa Claus uh, after hailing him as the hero of the event <laughs> for helping everybody get to safety. Well, I think I think that's the best part of this story. Like the the news story has it. Story. The news story has him as Sully Sullenberg, you know, <laughs> walking these little kids up. <laughs> it's like, it's That's like the hero of the Hudson, damn it. It's like, it's like the flip on Jesse Smollett. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. Hero. Turns out, no. 
Just remember. Hey, yeah, but you watched Empire. A, a lie is a no, lie. No, I've never seen Empire. A lie is a lie, no matter how small it I was, is. I was on... I was on <laughs> well, no, I've been, I've been unfamiliar with the, the work of frame French actor Jussi Smollett. Jussi Smollett. Oh, here it is. Uh, Santa was upstairs in his grotto and immediately assisted in the evacuation of the building upon hearing the fire alarm. Festival events, as St. Eyes uh, had said in a press release. Oh, this is in Cornwall, too. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, Cambridgeshire Live. Oh, no, it's on. Cambridgeshire. Yeah, it's Cambridgeshire, and this is all coming from Cambridgeshire Live. Could you imagine how goddamn hard they were laughing when they had to read this story on I can here? imagine. I can imagine. It's very, very British. <laughs> when Santa hits his limit. <laughs> family family rave. Two words I wouldn't think to put together. I still think that's one of my favorite Christmas movie lines, though. Why isn't there a Mrs. Santa? Because Santa loves someone who was unclean. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if, that, if there's nothing else to add for the good of the order, gentlemen, that does it for our holiday content, everybody. Um, let the war on Christmas commence. I think that's what I'm going to do. I think I'm just going to like start the war on Christmas. I, I think we really did a good job of firing the first shots in the war on Christmas. The salvo. Tonight. Yeah. I might actually change my name so that I'm not even keeping the Chris in Chris. Yeah. You're just you know, going to be X. It's too close. You're just going to be X. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I'd be like Elon Musk kid. I'll just have a bunch of weird symbols and numbers. In Cat my walking name. across a keyboard. Yeah. So that poor fucking kid. So Jesus now that we've Christ. fired our, uh, so now that we've fired our first shots, or that particular uh, Christmas light and holly bedecked Fort Sumter. That's uh, <laughs> and at Dan Potash. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's. I hate that guy so much. It's either going to get us a bigger following, or it's going to bite us in the ass. And I can't tell yet. Why couldn't Don Cherry just not be a racist? He, you really only have to do one thing. Right. <laughs> and it's just don't be racist. <laughs> that that's why Rob, we end up with... That's like, why Rob we is up, over there like choking to death on... <laughs> that's why we end up with Pierre and Potash. So, yeah, so um, any, uh, any closing thoughts? Any uh, final remarks, gentlemen? I think I'm. I, the, I think this will be the first year that I actually have all of my shit done for Christmas by Christmas. Mm. The only thing that I think is still stuck in transit are the things that I got the three of you. Speaking, <laughs> I will say this. And speaking, but the good of, news is I know I'll see you in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that I really believe that our demographic leans into the evangelical Christian Christian community. Oh God, I hope not. Can Can I just say? If you're evangelical and you're out there and you're listening to us as the Padre. First off, sorry. Don't ex- No, no. You know what you're getting don't, into. Don't, don't don't expect don't expect Christmas messages from a company that the rest of the year uses as a symbol, a pagan fertility goddess. <laughs> It's not going to happen. I remember like really liking that cup, too. Everybody yeah. was just was pissed off that cup? it was just red. It was yeah. nice. It was like a really tasteful grayscale, well, red scale cup. It was just, it was nice. <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't say Merry Christmas and show Christ being beaten and yeah. dying on the cross. Although is, I will say this. No. If you are part of the evangelical community and you've had quite enough, you are more than welcome to check out what we have going on in the Bob Crane sex call. Oh, absolutely. You're going to love us. <laughs> yeah, our holiday celebrations are a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> Remember to put the Satan in Santa Claus. They're, they're super and super cool. Although my favorite, and they're on film. Although my favorite part of decorating for the holidays as part of the Bob Crane sex call is putting the angel on top of the camera tripod. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, it really is. I'm a big fan of There's the anal bead garlands. Yeah, those are fun. <laughs> <laughs> and the fishnet stockings were hung by the chimney with care. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Claus comes in. And in the hopes that Werner Kemperer soon would be there. Mrs. Claus comes in in her special white merkin. The difference is you don't hang the stockings on the mantle, you hang them on the camera tripod. Mm, yes. Right. And then Prancer comes in and just caves Vixen's skull in with a camera tripod. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it, you, it, remember, remember that's all after the cocaine. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's more what's, lighthearted what's, that way. What's, What's Christmas snow. without a little snow? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Hey, we need to write a screenplay, guys. We need to write a fucking screenplay. We <laughs> run this town, man. I got ideas. We fucking run this town. All right, boys. Merry Schneefmas. Happy, happy holidays. Merry Schneefmas. Hogan. And all of you listening there out there. There's a lot of singing today. Yeah. And uh, to all of you out there listening, thank you very much for uh, tuning in for our Christmas special every year. We're going to do this again next uh, next time. I don't know what we're going to talk about. We'll, we'll, you know we'll find something fun. So to everybody out there. I'm going to see if the uh, Philadelphia Santa is still alive and just call yeah. him. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the warmest holiday greetings from all of us here at the TRR team. And uh, we'll catch you for the next episode. We're covering a music story, and I'm looking forward to this. We're going to be investigating... All of the murder, mayhem, and self-serious goofiness that came with the Norwegian black metal scene. And this one is uh, as stupid as it is dark, so you know it's right up our alley. So Your homework is to read yeah. the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Until next and, time. And, and the movie Frozen. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time, please have fun, everybody. Please be safe. Please look out for each other out there. And ho, ho. Hold fast, everybody. Bye now. Drink up.